Hey, hey, you're listening to Johnny's Secret Stash. I'm John Goldman. Adam Conley can't be with here t- with us tonight here. Uh, we are on Radio Harbor Country, which is WRHC 106.7 out of Three Oaks, Michigan, and WRHZ 93.5 out of Sawyer, Michigan. Uh, we're happy to have Matt Smith from, uh, from Slim Gypsy Baggage in the studio with us today, and that was a little bit of a hint of uh, Slim Gypsy Baggage's song, Wheels. Let's listen to that and come back and talk with Matt. Here we go.
That was Slim Gypsy Baggage with uh, Wheels from their album Dive Bomb from 2014. Yeah, and, that sounds about Yeah, right. and we have Matt Smith in the uh, studio with us today. How's it going? How you doing? Good. So you're, uh, is that the power power? <laughs> the light just went out. <laughs> but every, some of the power is still on. I, I think uh, we're. All the racks look like they're on. Yeah, The we're lights still are recording. still blinking. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so that's weird. We're having some terrible weather. We're recording this on uh, on Halloween, yeah. and um, it is just <laughs> nasty out there. Like it I apparently would... a haunted studio. Yeah, that rocks. Well, for sure, this place has got to be haunted. There's been ugly things here. This tough cinder block building, and who knows? I mean, it looks like that could be a waterfall at some point. It, it is. There's a, so for people who are not in the studio, <laughs> there's amazing. actually like I love a. This place. <laughs> It's a, a water feature, like this huge sort of indoor pond thing. Uh, it's always a, an interesting subject. People fall into that every now and then. And, it's great. Uh, yeah. It's great. It's beautiful. You can't get have you Have you been to the studios here before, No, Matt? I haven't been in these oh, studios okay. at all before. This is the all first right. time down here. So it's interesting. Yeah, cool. For sure. Uh, so Matt, Matt Smith is the bass player for... Slim Gypsy Baggage. How how long has uh, Slim Gypsy Baggage been around? How long have you guys been doing it? Probably close to eight years. Oh wow! At this All point, right. yeah. Me and Morgan, uh, Morgan Engel started it. Uh huh. And Morgan's uh, a singer and, Morgan's a and singer. guitar player. Yep. And, yep. Uh-huh. Uh, she plays rhythm guitar and I uh, sings. I, uh, yeah, we started this. Man, she pestered me to come down and play <laughs> with her down at the River's Edge in Benton Harbor. Across from where uh, the new big Whirlpool Center building oh, is. Oh, uh-huh. I know that over there. Yeah. Like so bread to, and bars over there, kind of. Yeah. That, or down that road. Uh-huh. So we used to go in there on Wednesdays and play for pretty much a meal and drinks and tips. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. And just party. <laughs> on and Wednesdays, that was, you know what I mean? That was before you guys called yourself Slim Gypsy? or Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. It start, that was before. By the time we were done playing there we were called slim Gypsy baggage but, i guess uh, when we started uh it was definitely not there was a 
a, a litany of band names that we went through at that point. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like, what were some of the oh other ones, God. if you remember? Uh, I remember Suspicious Fish, Fishes. Suspicious Fishes, I love fishes. it. Yep, fishes, yeah, uh-huh. Fishes, F. And uh, no one, especially drunks at a bar, could, <laughs> could pronounce that one. It was even worse than Slim Gypsy Baggage. It always came out suspicious, vicious, yeah, or something like that. You know, right. I, I, Mama Mo and the Drogues. I think <laughs> at one point we just we would start just calling ourselves whatever and playing around, and eventually me and Morgan came up with Slim Gypsy Baggage, which notoriously Cam, our guitar player sure. Cam Amina, hates. Yeah, <laughs> he's like he came back from a vacation or something. Where like, okay, the band name Slim Gypsy Baggage. He's like, that's horrible. What on earth are you thinking? And we're like, eh, that's what it's gonna be. He didn't get a vote. He, well, apparently, we just kind of rolled with it. Yeah. <laughs> we were three deep at that point. Right so. now, you're you're too far in. You got the yeah got the now albums got, out and everything. We've got the T-shirts. You know, the URL is purchased. You know, <laughs> right. the dot com is ours. It's kind of hard to go back now. Yeah. <laughs> And during that time, uh, it was when it was just you and Morgan. Yeah. Were you always playing bass? I mean, have you yeah. always played bass? Is that I've played bass. I play guitar as well. Oh, okay. uh, I play a lot of different instruments, but in bands, I normally play bass. I get a lot of call. It's. <laughs> I'm not saying that I'm great at it, but I show up on time and I usually have something prepared. So <laughs> as far as bass goes, that's, that's three quarters sick. of it. You know, that's like a lot of it. So you, know, you show up on time and you don't try to like get too showboaty, and pretty much everyone just asks you to play. So it, yeah, you know, I that and I can I can harmonize while I play. Oh, all right. I can sing. Yeah. I can sing a second part uh, while I play so they, bass. So they give you a mic. Yeah. <laughs> surprise nice. surprise i get a mic but yeah. uh that ends up you know keeping you hired a little bit being uh-huh. able to cover two parts so i see all know, right do, doing studio work or playing at churches and stuff like that it's, you know it's yeah it's fun oh i see uh-huh that, so. so you you've done studio stuff too <coughs> yeah uh, yeah i've worked with mike cook and done some stuff there and uh, out of the box factory and St. Oh, Joe. right and, you know i uh, me and Cam, actually, and our old drummer, Scott, went to Nashville and recorded on a session with a couple other people. That's uh, that cool. Probably how did that never, even... ever see the light of day, but, you know, oh, that's how uh-huh. some of that stuff goes. Right. <laughs> but so, so you went in uh, as session musicians, traveled yeah. down there as session musicians? Yeah, pretty as... much. It, was, it wasn't under a, like, Slim Gypsy's name. It uh-huh. was, you know, just like a collaborative effort between us and a couple other people. Oh, okay. All right. So you went down there to do your own thing. We've it done was... that. We'd already been down there before uh-huh. to do our own recording with uh, Kent Wells. The 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 song you just heard actually off of that was recorded. Dive Bomb. That yeah. Was, so that was done down in that Nashville? was recorded in Nashville at uh, Kent Wells Studio and uh, Kent's Dolly Parton's uh, producer and uh, collaborator, uh, band leader and band leader and producer for Reba McIntyre. Oh, no, uh, wow. You know, he's definitely yeah. been around the block, definitely has a lot of uh, a lot of awards, a lot of session work himself. A lot of the, if you listen closely on that last song, you can hear a little bit of uh banjo. It's actually a a git joe. So it's a, a git joe. It's a guitar neck put onto a banjo body. Oh. Still kind of five like a, strings or It's a six string. It's a it's a guitar, uh-huh. but with a good band. A... So you can Kent didn't play banjo. <laughs> uh-huh. He's like, you know, banjo part would sound really good on this. And we're like, yeah. Um, 
do you play banjo? He's like, no, no, but I, I can, I can, I can work something up. And he just pulled out this, this like instrument. And he's like, yeah, oh, this, this will work. And it, and it sounded exactly like a banjo. And it's like, okay, well, there you go. Sounds Let's like <laughs> one of those monstrous, you know, uh, instruments where there's both a bass and a guitar, like two necks. Oh on yeah. One. <laughs> it almost has that kind of like it almost has that feel. It's, it's definitely Frankenstein. It's, it's one instrument. If you don't, if you don't know exactly, if you're not real savvy on instruments, you wouldn't know. Yeah, right, you probably you know, it just don't it looks know what like it, is. it just you know uh-huh. it looks like a banjo, uh, but yeah, that he was actually he was the first time we went with a with a very professional uh, oh, uh-huh. uh, recording studio and producer, and well, that was of, your first album, right? Dive Bomb. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we had we had messed around with stuff local, and there's I'm sure if you dug deep on the interweb somewhere, there's other stuff that you would find. But that's that's our first very professional oh, recording yeah. that we put it's out. Really heavy. a nice. Uh... And I, uh, I mean, the contribution even on that song, you know, what a producer does is it's hard to define. But when you're sitting in a studio and he goes, you know, why don't you try just moving that around, and why don't we cut down here and bring up just a little bit of structure to a song? You know, I mean the the basic chords in that song aren't very difficult and they aren't very complicated. It actually came from two different songs that Morgan had written. Uh, two little melodies that she'd been like playing around with. I'm like, man, she kept playing one part. I'm like, you got to move somewhere with this. And she just started playing the other song. I'm like, just go there. And I, that's, you know, the collaborative effort. Yeah. You're writing songs together. You know I mean? We had it, had it all written down, had it sounded good and played it through once for him. And he listened and goes, you know, why don't you do this, this, and this? It was just little things, little tweaks, but it took a song that was like 80% there and made it into something that was very good. You know? That's outstanding. You know, you guys listen to it over and over and over, and then just to have this sort of objective, third-party perspective yeah. from a guy who's worked with all these different people, you a know, it, made... it can just bring everything together. Yep. A guy yeah. who's been there, who's put, you know, hit records out. Yeah. You know, I, the guy who's been there and done that, you know, I... There's a lot, you know, and it's interesting now you listen to a lot of things on the radio and I'm able to, you start to hear songs that you can go, okay, this was something this little, this songwriter came in with uh-huh. and it had like a basic, like four chord And then you can sort thing, of hear, and you can where, hear like where the, into the yeah, production. definitely you can hear where the, the producer comes into yeah. it and just starts like manipulating things and, and uh, changing things around. Uh, surprisingly, like the, 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 like I said, something about playing at church. Whenever you get some of these like uh, very Christian songs, boy, producers have fun with those. Uh huh. <laughs> Why? Like b- turning them around, mixing them around. Yeah, just the, the structure. I mean, uh-huh. uh, uh, a good example would be uh, like Mumford and Sons. If you listen to sure. Mumford and Sons, they they are heavily the producing of how they have their structure to a song. Yeah, you know, a producer definitely gets their their you know they don't have but like two parts but their songs are like nine minutes long right and they've got kind of like a lot of reverb in there yeah you know it uh, starts off real big or mm -hmm. starts off slow and then it builds up and then it cuts back down and it has this big ending you know everybody loves it and by the end they're stomping their feet and throwing their beers across the tables (laughs) and everybody loves it a lot of that's the production Uh uh-huh yeah i mean it's not they're not changing exactly what they're playing they're changing how they're playing it yeah have you uh as as a result of working with this producer um, have you found yourself structuring newer things kind of with that eye? Yeah, you've, you've definitely uh, uh, adapted from from the instructions that you got through that that session. Definitely. I mean, uh, not just him, but uh, 
you know, we've we Matt Rawlings is another guy we recorded with in, in Nashville. He's man, if anybody should look that guy up, he is amazing. He is Nashville's one of their A list uh piano and organ players. He actually at the Barbecue Blues and Bluegrass Festival. Uh-huh. He came up and played with us for that. Oh, okay. You know, yeah, I remember played, that show he played that he did a couple and, of years ago. Yeah, he played Hammond uh, and Keys for okay. that. Okay. He actually was uh, recording Blues Traveler at the time and put them on hold for two days. Came up, learned, <laughs> That's awesome. learned our two-hour set <laughs> yeah. in a day, and then just rocked it with us the whole time. It was one of my favorite favorite musical yeah, moments. Yeah, that must have been a you blast. Know, we've, we've played bigger shows. We've played stuff that seems like it should be more prestigious, but you know, it, it's not about that. It was a you know a, a real uh, warm crowd. People were having fun. It, we had yeah. friends in the crowd, and then to like turn around. And, the first song that we started playing is to hear him rip open that B3. You know, he had a B3 with a Leslie going, whirling behind him. Uh-huh. You know, just sorry if I get a little technical sometimes. No, no, I, 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 get a little geeky, I, I can picture that. That's one of those um, sort of box things with yeah, a, it's a, a huge speaker box. thing that spins. Like you can yep. see the, the like cylinder a, spinning. Yeah, there's, there's different levels. So there's like a, a big bass speaker on bottom. They face up. And then there's another speakers. There's like horns that... Oh, right. Uh-huh. Spin on top, and then there's like a, a big filter block over the bass woofer that spins. Yeah. And I used to, uh, usually Phil Lush used right. to have one of those. Yeah, definitely. And um, I always wonder, what the hell is that thing? Oh, they're great. And, they sound cool, man. How does that affect your, and that's usually used with a bass? They no, I mean. Not necessarily with no, a bass? No, not with a bass. Normally, oh, I don't use okay. one, but uh, Phil, Phil did because he was Phil. Uh, but, and they, those guys were crazy with effects. But, yeah. But, uh, Especially you know, towards the end with um, Brent, he I think he used yeah. a lot of uh, um, what, uh, the the sort of like the pre-recorded mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, you could play through the keyboards. It's actually a, a, the the speaker cabinet comes from an organ. The, the oh. Hammond B three organ came uh-huh. with a Leslie cabinet that oh, did that. And you can okay. choose. There's like a little uh, a speed bar over on the side uh-huh. that you can choose the speed of the rotation so you can get a, a slow warble or a fast warble or stop it completely i see so it's so actually the way that the, part it's a, of the yeah so you'll uh, hear it uh, like expression like a lot of the old uh, dead stuff or or uh allman brothers is great if you yeah, listen to them yeah. you know you hear this like slow warble and then it'll speed up and then cut off and yeah he's doing that with one hand and he's soloing uh-huh. with the other okay know, it's all crazy. on the b3 yeah. all on the hammond b3 hammond b3 is an amazing instrument man it's it's really yeah, I, I remember, uh, well, I read um, Greg Allman's um, biography, yeah. and he's talking about, you know, that that's the instrument and yep. and all that. And, uh, so, uh, you know, I, I never quite understood, you know, what makes that particular instrument so such a desirable one. And it you sounds know, like it weighs a ton and is a pain does. to bring back and forth. Oh, it's an amazing thing to, to get around. But, you know, I, I got to vouch for, you know, the vintage instruments and and. You get into older things and older pieces of equipment. It's not like modern equipment, digital amps yeah. and, and stuff like that, you know, all digital, not analog. Me and Cam pretty much all run tube amps. You know, this is stuff that was developed in the 40s and uh-huh. you know, had its heyday in the 70s, and we're still running it. it you, know? I, you know, there's a lot of uh, musicians that, most of that prefer most, Yeah, uh, I mean, most the of tubes. the guys get get into that on the higher-end stuff. It's yeah. just, it, it sounds good great it's warm even if it doesn't it makes us feel good so we play uh, a little yeah. bit more i don't know uh-huh. if you know i'm sure the technology well, you guys could probably hard. hear the difference uh, 
But you know, we'd like to think we can. <laughs> I, I don't know if that's true or not. I, I would I would like to think we can. Man, some of these modeling amps and stuff are so good these days, and and I know better that I don't need that. But man, it makes me feel so good to know uh-huh. that my stuff is going through a you know a 1976 bass into a tube amp into a old compressor that some guy. I mean, some of the stuff that you get in these studios in Nashville, you know, it's oh, some right. of the studio equipment that they come running up with. They're like, yeah, I got this compressor. I, you know, when the, the, this certain company went out of business, a bunch of people went dumpster diving for parts and they put it together <laughs> out of that. And I'm like, Jesus, what the heck? You know, yeah. you start looking it up online. And I'm like, I can't, that's like more than my house. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but it makes it sound great, you know. It's just, and whether or not it it really has that much of effect or not, it's it's hard to be, you know. I I know you can emulate it in a lot of ways, but with modern equipment. With modern with equipment, but I mean, one of the studios we recorded in in Nashville was a, it was called Sound Emporium Studios, and it was Sun Sun Records when they came from uh-huh. Memphis to Nashville for the first time. Oh, uh, okay. Ten years later, it turned into Sound Emporium, and I mean, Sound Emporiums recorded everything. I mean, everything. The, yeah, we're we're far out, thou brother. Soundtrack. It was recorded there. Is it's, that right? Oh. I mean, the Alabama Shakes last album was recorded there. It's, uh-huh. You know, it's just it's a really fabled place in Nashville in the Strip, and we got the chance to record our last album, which we have snippets out there. It's not on Spotify though. I, uh, I, uh, we got to record there, and you know, me and Cam are listening in the in the headphones, and this reverb just sounded amazing. And I know it's a. It, really dorky thing to get like geeked up about we're like where you know asking the producer like where where are you getting this reverb man it sounds better than anything i've ever heard he's like oh yeah that's because underneath the studio there's two 10 by 10 by 20 foot tall chambers with a studio monitor in the bottom and microphones placed throughout the, the that's chamber crazy and they're actually getting natural reverb like wow you know, abbey road did that uh abbey road studios had uh-huh. big chambers uh underneath in the catacombs that underneath right? there that oh, they yeah? actually got their reverb from yeah but i mean there's like a dozen that, that's studios about in the world that can do that you can get, you know? yeah you know? exactly that's there's that's you, unbelievable. Can't re, you can't reproduce that kind of right thing, you know well you do hear about you know like when they were the doors were recording their first album they you know did a lot of stuff in the bathroom like yeah it uh, had that proper uh little echoey sound yeah. to it and um there's all kinds of examples of stuff like that, you know. Yeah. Red Hot Chili Peppers uh, Exile doing on Main in the, Street, yeah, exactly you know, on Main Street, yeah. No code in uh, in the south of France, you know. It was yep. like that old time, yep. haunted, huge mansion. And Red Hot Chili Peppers too, you say? Yeah, and uh, Blood Sugar Sex Magic. They did. Uh, if you listen to like uh, the best example of hearing that, they did it in a house, like this old haunted house in L.A. Uh-huh. Uh, and the best example is if you listen to Breaking a Girl. The all that drum percussion stuff. They just put microphones in a stairwell. Oh, really? And had like them and all their friends with trash cans and <laughs> drums and cymbals and just hitting, banging the walls, that's throwing so stuff funny. into you know, just making noise. Yeah. And if you listen to it, you're like, oh, okay, yeah, that's definitely what they're doing. They're just that's pretty a house. amazing that they, uh, you know, that's how stuff gets done these days. Like you, you think it's so polished and, but <laughs> you know, they're just trying to create exactly it's, the right sound and. You know, one of the who's guys, to say what's exactly the right sound too. It's and it's a dying art, man. You know, we the last time we were in Nashville at Sound Sound Emporium, I was watching uh, the guy running the board, the engineer, not the producer, and I uh, he had these guys, you know, studio guys in there, you know, Tom Bukovac and uh, 
Fred Elfingtram, and these guys are just amazing musicians on this studio with session with us. And uh, he's he's running the the sliders on this old analog board. You know, it's an old Neve console. It's uh-huh. probably you know million worth millions. You know, it's ridiculous. But he's he's running the sliders as the band's playing, doing the live mix. Wow. And I'm like, you know. All that can be done on Pro Tools now. It can all be automated. It yeah. all can be like gone over with a fine tooth comb, all this kind of stuff. And, and literally, he was playing that thing like an instrument. And he's probably, you know, yeah. There's probably That's a handful amazing. of guys that are left that can do that kind of stuff. But right. you know, he's recording Trace Atkins. He's recording everybody. You know, that comes through Nashville is wanting that guy to run the board. And you just watch him do it, and you're like, okay, this is why. Yeah, you it's <laughs> it's like he's creating on the on the fly there. Yeah, with the the sound of each player in, in yep. the room there yeah he's orchestrating like a like a conductor would be yeah you know everything's got everybody's got a click in their ears so they don't need anybody waving their hands but all the ups and downs and the swells and all this kind of stuff is just kind of kept in check by him you know it's just it was an amazing thing to watch you know? would they go back and and listen to it and and clean it up and use pro tools after the fact, even even with something like that happening, a little. Or, but I mean, uh-huh. with those guys, it's amazing listening to the studio. Like, studio guys are on another level. Like everybody yeah. wants to act like they want to make their own parts and everything. But when you're talking, you know, there, I don't want to sound like a sellout here or anything. But if it's thirty five hundred bucks a day for studio time, and you can get a studio musician that can cut your time down by a month. Right. Yeah. It's hard not to use that, you know. Yeah, to get and, the and right you, guy. You listen to these guys. He's like, you know, hey, let me let me put let me try a solo on this, and, he's, and you know, he just said storyboard me. Yeah, and storyboarding on that is, you know, it's going to play the part, you know, give a lead in, play the part. He's going to play a solo, trail off, and repeat over and over again, and keep every take that uh-huh. he does, and then live. try to fit so it as, into as the... long as it takes to run a solo section, you know, eight bar solo, twenty times. He let it run that long, and he put out 20 different solos, and they all sounded different, and not a note was missed, <laughs> and it was all perfect, and not one sounded the same. And I'm like, that's amazing. That's just that's why yeah. he's doing what he's doing, you know. And then they go home at night. Yeah, you know, and the, then they just the get, you know, and they're guys. like, hey man, let's go down to the barbecue joint, Martin's, and get some barbecue. You're like, yeah, let's go yeah. do that. <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> I yeah. need some barbecue after that. You know, it's <laughs> Nashville. Let's go. Let's go get some of that. <laughs> Well, that's yeah. awesome. And so you guys recently recorded a album also? Uh, I'd say probably a year, year and a half ago still now. But it's still, the... yeah, kind of in the background right now. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's definitely going to be released in bits and pieces probably coming out soon. Not not doing it as a, a another album. I would imagine an EP at best. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, we okay. don't, I don't like the, you know. Full albums are are awesome, but people don't buy music that way anymore. You don't really right, unless you're going to press it into vinyl, it's right. uh, hard to justify a, which a you can, full. Which you can album. almost do on a yearly, and then put out, you know, put out music online, put out music at shows. Uh-huh. You know, three songs at a time, two songs at a time, release things through the year, and then press an album at some point. And, yeah. And, release it in a vinyl version only that that's kind of makes sense economically anymore but music industry is different oh yeah (laughs) you know it's not it's it's not what it what it once completely transformed i mean you would hope for a deal from a record company and then they would pay for everything or actually charge it back to you i guess well they pretty much do and they also own you yeah they're gonna own your right your 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 likeness your name yeah catalog and 
everything else. Luckily, with the management that we've had through uh, Mama Grace Records and uh, Mitch, Mimina, and, and others. Uh, uh, You've been able to hold had, on to all that. We've had to hold on to all that. Uh, the most we've uh, most we've ever given up was uh, to one of our producers, Matt Rollins, uh, was a uh, an equal share of songwriting credit. And uh-huh. the stuff that he contributed on the songs... It's, it's invaluable like, it sounds yeah, like it's, yeah it's one of those moments where you're like yeah you completely deserve it uh-huh. that song wasn't there when we walked into the studio yeah you know so well this is great let me uh, I, wa- I want to play another one of the songs uh, from you guys Slim Gypsy Baggage yeah and this Undercurrents album so I guess it's tech- probably an EP it's five songs yeah um, technically I guess that would be an EP how about uh, Underwater from uh, Undercurrents yeah, album yeah go for it alright here we go
Slim Zippy Baggage again with Underwater from their 2015 album uh, Undercurrents. Yeah. It's an EP. I'm here with Matt Smith, who's the bass player for G- Slim Gypsy Baggage. And you're listening to Johnny's Secret Stash. I'm John Goldman. Uh, we are on Radio Harbor Country, WRHC, 106.7 FM out of Three Oaks and 93.5 out of Sawyer, Michigan, WRHZ. Uh, and I forgot to mention, we're underwritten by Harbor Country Hydroponics out of New Buffalo, Michigan, for everything you need to grow your own secret stash. Um, happy to be sitting here with Matt Smith. And Matt, uh, that song was issued in 2015 on this Undercurrents EP. Mm-hmm. Was that also one that you recorded in Nashville with the same group? Yeah, uh, that one That one was recorded at uh, Kentwell Studio in Nashville. Yep. Okay, so did... Out of Franklin. Uh, and were these all songs that you came in there with, uh, the, the, your band? Uh, yeah, Slim we, had, we had them when we came into the studio. Uh, you know, studio time is is steep. It's precious, you know. Yeah. You don't want to waste any time. It's expensive, and to get a yeah. you know get a, a good producer who really knows what they're doing, that kind of stuff costs a lot of money. So, we definitely you know played a lot of these songs live for a long time. Really, kind of road tested them, if you will. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, you know, no. It's amazing. <laughs> we we've written some songs over the years that like we love playing. Yeah, and you just put your heart out playing them live man in an audience that was just into it you you open your eyes at the end of this song man they're all getting a beer and you're like wow just warm down that just hurt man you know oh, like, oh, oh. We, you know, getting just, a beer because oh, like yeah, they cause don't appreciate it as done. much as yeah, you yeah, do they're, they're, they're like okay that's cool i'm gonna go get a beer now you know it's just oh, the exact man. opposite yeah and it's just you know it's not trying to to sell out to a crowd or anything like that but you know if it doesn't work you know, if you're only entertaining yourself on this stuff, I mean, on a recording, sure. Uh-huh. You know, we'll do a, a five four based song or something that goes between five four and three four, and all these weird time signatures, and have fun out in La La Land with really long solos and stuff. That's fun to record. Uh-huh. You know, it's fun to play live in a in a like a at a uh, festival. You know, yeah. festival gigs are great for that kind of stuff, man. For Just the for roll. the uh, sort of the the jamming. Yeah, 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 just having fun, being spontaneous in the moment, uh-huh. letting yourself kind of be creative live. That that kind of stuff has its time and place. You yeah, know what I mean, trying to keep a like, trying to keep an audience with you at a place like Bell's. You know, what I mean, you gotta, you kind of kind of keep them like, uh-huh. thirsting for more with every song. Right, know? right. I don't, I don't ever like a place like Bell's. Would you say that they're not necessarily they're there to have a couple drinks and listen to music, but they're not they're not in you know listening to the music no, the... bells is more of a venue now uh-huh that place they're oh, okay. the eccentric right. cafe and and their outdoor venue that yeah. those places are amazing yeah and, you know, and they get some good bands coming through oh, there too yeah we opened for uh rusted root there oh before. yeah yeah that was amazing that was you guys have played with some Really awesome <laughs> national musicians. We were talking we, about we, Marcus King. Yeah, uh, Marcus King. We, that, we've opened for a couple times for him. Played with oh, him. And I saw you play open for him at that St. Joe um, Blues and Barbecue thing. I yep. think that was maybe even 2017, 2016. Yeah, right around there. Yeah. And uh, that was a fun oh, year, oh man. man, what a. Listen to little Smokies. Uh huh. We ended up uh, later that year 
at uh, Summer Camp Music Festival. I yeah, that was a great uh, one. With Marcus King was uh, he was playing early, there. He played earlier in the day, and we kind of saw him as they were like, "Hey, uh-huh. what up, dude? See you." Yeah, you know, all backstage like, stuff. <laughs> yeah, and then the uh, the little Smokies were hanging out, so we partied with them a little bit that weekend. I yeah yeah it, summer camp is just such a blast. Summer and, camp was a great festival to play. Yeah, it was you know we had like a Sunday opening on a side stage. Uh huh. The campfire stage. Like, yeah. I, I remember that hot is it was real hot, hot as hell. It, <laughs> it was, was hot a, and dry. Yeah, man. and it was so nasty. The earlier part in the dusty. Yeah. And... Oh god. <laughs> that, that was a weird one, and it it was like uh, wasn't that the one earlier in the in the week? It it rained, and then everything turned into like clay sludge yeah oh man like like all the lowlands were like like ankle deep uh-huh suction your shoes off right, mud, right. and People then everything else was boots. dry and like and hot. it did right it didn't take long for it then to dry <laughs> so out dirty. and then be all dusty it was so nasty and we had to like pull off our gear out and like try to like look presentable after we <laughs> after were living we, we had through been that. there for like three days but yeah time. we were we were rough it was that was a really fun time though yeah that's, that was that was one of those festivals that festival. i would definitely play again you know uh uh, well, I was like, like South camp. by Southwest. Uh, Have you guys played South by Southwest? Too? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, we played a couple of showcases out there. It's amazing. Um, that was fun. I. Uh, That's hot that, too. Hot to sell out in Austin. <laughs> Austin was ridiculous. To drive down there was ridiculous. To drive back was yeah. ridiculous. Uh, but it, it's. Unfortunately, that's one of those festivals that, in my opinion, seem cooler on social media right. than actually being there. Well, it's so spread out. It's, you know, it's like it. Multiple, multiple locations. Like, it's not a, a true festival. Yeah, there's festival. like 2,000 bands in 250 venues yeah. or something. And that's only half the venues that are actually going on Right, then there's a town. lot of like... In like in between all the festivals that have a, a label for South by Southwest, there's another one that says, we don't care about your wristbands. We're, you know, uh-huh. not affiliated. Let's party anyway. Yeah, kind of right. There's other Everybody places that are just bands having bands play. Yeah. So some of them were not... for South by Southwest. Some of yeah. them weren't, you know. And it was a blast. Um so diverse. But, I mean, it's so much stuff. You, you have on. a stage up there that starts at, you know, let's say two o'clock in the afternoon and will go till 11 o'clock at night and they'll have 20 bands that day. Oh, yeah. Every band has an hour, uh-huh. 45 minutes. I mean, the switchover with, with be, the switchovers. That must you know be what I mean? So it's just, those... you know, I never played my own amp. Oh, I, you know, uh-huh. you you're using backline because it was just like, well, you can you can bring your own stuff up, but it's coming out of your set time. It's yeah, like, right. Screw it. I'm, plug- I'm plugging just, in, you know. Uh-huh. I, One drum set for every drummer yeah. coming up there. That's yep. got to be hard to be a drummer and the drummer to be could handle other it. people's stuff. They, they seem to deal as best they could. Uh-huh. Uh, guitar players usually bring out their own amps. Just those guys uh-huh. are so particular. They're like, yeah. nope, it's my tone, man. No, yeah. Man, yeah. Well, you know, I get it. Yeah. I. Uh, you know when you, you know, when you, when you got a, a small Mercedes payment in gear. Yeah. You, know. you want to use your own gear. Yeah. So uh, what kind of uh, you're a bass player? What yeah. kind of uh, bass do you use? What kind of amp do you use? You use tone uh, I'm pedals. A, I'm a yeah. I'm a I'm a, a Fender and Ampeg guy primarily. All right. Uh-huh. Uh, so I'm running a P bass, a couple of different P basses. Uh, one's a four string, five string, four string. Uh-huh. Uh, one of them's a, uh, 2011, a 60th anniversary American P base. I actually got that one from, uh, from my dad through my cousin. My cousin is, his name is Gordon Kennedy. Uh, is he a player as well? He's a songwriter in Nashville. He wrote the song, uh, co-wrote the song, change the world for <laughs> Clapton. Wow. 
uh, and is actually on tour right now with uh, Garth Brooks. Cool. He's, a, he's the lead guitar. Yeah. And his him and his brother uh, write all of Garth Brooks. <laughs> it's a weird family, man. But uh, so this is your cousin? Yeah, I was. Uh, he married. I he married my cousin. I was the ring bearer in their wedding. And Got, he's, okay, uh, gotcha. You know, it's, uh, they, his, cousin by marriage. Yeah, his his dad was uh, Jerry Kennedy. He was, uh, you know, Harper Valley PTA. He was the lead guitar on that. Oh, uh, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, wow. Uh, Roy Orbison, Pretty Woman. Oh, sure. He was the lead guitar player on that. Oh, okay. Uh, he was on the Blonde on Blonde sessions. Really, Dylan. Wow. Well, uh, guitar. Yeah. With Mike Bloomfield. Yeah. And, wow. Yep. I. Uh, when they moved the sessions to Nashville to finish up yes, the Blonde on Blonde sessions, right, they right, brought right. in studio guys, and he was one of the guys that got brought in for that. Okay, actually, I think Bloomfield was with uh, Highway sixty one Revisited. That okay. was the one that he was on. But yeah, I remember that yeah. whole thing with the, so, the Nashville sessions yep. and redoing the stuff from New York. And, and then Gordon was his son. Gordon is, uh, okay. is my cousin, and yeah. I, I got that bass through Gordon. Actually, uh-huh. the, one of the sessions that we ended up on in Nashville. This is how I mean little, weird little God moments. I call them just these weird little. That's it all awfully, This is awfully coincidental. So uh-huh. I'm at a at a session in Nashville at Stound Emporium, uh, and they had a bass player for one of the other songs, a collaborative song. They brought in a couple of session guys to to round out the work, and uh, me and him started talking and trading, looking at gear, our each other's gear, and everything. I told him the story how he got my bass because Gordon got it for me, uh-huh. for my dad, and they surprised me with it, and it happened to be the exact bass that I had been drooling over for six months. Oh, d- did and they it know that? Or it, it came that off, just, it came off oh the, because like, he's a Fender artist, so it came off of the factory floor uh-huh. in a box. They're like, just American Fender P bass, standard. Yeah. Send it. Doesn't matter what it is. Just right. new one, send it. It was like literally every box I could have Holy checked. Holy cow, that, that's... I'm telling him this story. Like you get He's like goosebumps. Yeah, thinking about it's one of those moments like meant to be kind of thing. And, yeah, you know, I'm telling him this story. He's like, Gordon, wait, Gordon, who? And I said, Gordon Kenny. He goes, Gordon Kenny's your cousin. I said, Yeah. He goes, Man, Gordon's my best friend. I just, <laughs> I just bought his house Small and town. I'm in his band. I'm like, Oh my! That's so unbelievable. We're taking selfies and sending them to Gordon. <laughs> you know, like, look who I got in a session with before you. Yeah. And send them to him. Well, you're yeah. Hey, listen, so, you're you're part of the whole Nashville scene now. You know, it's a, <laughs> I had to stretch and a half, man. But it's that's a it's a fun place to have the honor to have actually recorded my own parts Definitely. in Nashville. You know, it's a you got a little network going. It's there. a very storied storied town, man. It's yeah, a, it's a cool place, and I have nothing but respect for the guys that really can call themselves Nashville musicians. That's a that's another level. Yeah. Well, that's amazing. You guys have really been able to do some uh, amazing things, you know, being yeah, able to record down in Nashville and playing with Marcus King and going to all these these festivals. Yeah, well, I mean, Buddy any other, Guy. I mean, and you play with Buddy Guy, too? Cam actually went up and sold with him. I did remember he traded off. That, that yeah. was at that same uh, barbecue. Oh, was in Bluegrass. okay, okay. Uh, yeah, Buddy Guy was the headliner, and... Oh, so that was maybe the year. No, that was like before. a year before. Yeah, but so you had played so at a had, prior one, or just that? Yeah, we've played Cam. at like three or four of those. Oh, okay. And I uh, Cam, sort of the darlings of St. Joe, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Cam Cam got the opportunity to to meet Buddy backstage, and I uh, he signed it. <laughs> he he brought his guitar. Out. Cam's got a an old uh, sixty. I think it's a sixty three or sixty four uh, Fender Jazzmaster. And it's, you know, got this 
horrible refinished job on it, you know, but it's just, you can play it live, you know, you don't feel bad about thrashing uh-huh. it out, you know? Yeah. And I, uh, he brought it into the, the, the room with Buddy and he's like, you know, man, do you mind signing my guitar? And Buddy's like, yeah, not a problem. And he, Cam hands it to him with the back to him, like he was going to sign it on the back of the guitar. That's yeah. normally <laughs> where that happens, right? And Buddy looks at it, he goes, wait a minute, man, you, you gig with this axe, right? He goes, yeah. He's like, it's going to wipe off back here. And he turns it over and right over the Fender logo on the front of the headstock, man. Boom, Buddy Guy. Oh, Boom. Man. Cam's like, ha, that's ah, Buddy Guy, whatever. You know, <laughs> yeah. do what you got to do, old man. And I've never seen anybody perform like that guy. I've buddy never, guy. Buddy he's, Guy is he's amazing. amazing. Yeah. I, it just, well, he's it, been a showman since if, day one, you know, you walking on the would, audience. And yeah, if you think anybody can rip out cord. a guitar and just really entertain a crowd, that guy's got oh, yeah. it he's the, the, For he's, sure. I've never seen anything like that. You ever see that Festival Express movie? It's a movie, a, a documentary about you know the dead and Janis Joplin, and uh, <laughs> they were traveling across Canada... Uh, Man, this sounds familiar. And, I don't, and then they would stop and, and do a show at like different cities and stuff. I don't think I have. It seems like I've seen snippets or, or like excerpts, but I don't yeah. think I've seen it. So there's a young buddy guy in there. His yeah. brother's playing with him and everything. And, you know, these guys are a little off to the side in the train scenes and stuff. But then there's this, there's this uh, scene of them playing Money Money and... It just blows you away. I mean, yeah. they are just unbelievable. Oh, Buddy guy, he doesn't even look like you know what he looks like now, yeah. and he's recognizable. He's such a kid back then that he's almost unrecognizable by today's standards, and, and just just tearing it up. Just so much energy. Yeah, like, you didn't. That's what you didn't expect out of you know a lot of people. Right. The the that sixties movement was starting to do that. You know, Janice and those uh-huh. guys are. You know, Jimmy obviously was going nuts putting out all kinds of energy yeah but watching those guys you know blues musicians just tear the house down man people losing their losing their mind right it's just i love that kind of stuff uh you know if anybody wants to see that kind of stuff still today you know kingston mines in chicago right head up there there's do your, do your dance between there. the two bars and the two bands man up until like six o'clock in the morning uh-huh. until the sun comes up and you'll get breakfast yeah. Catch an Uber and a train back home in the morning, man. That's the way to do it. Yeah. But Kingston Mines is if any that's the place, man. That's that I, is a really cool place. If you want to really see those week, guys there's... still just shredding. Guys like yeah. Buddy, guys still just I mean, legends in the blues industry. If you don't I mean I, I'm not a huge blues guy, so I'm I i can not sit here and, and wax poetic about all the different ins and outs of blues, but Man, I can I can appreciate a performance and watching a 70, 80 year old man come out and just absolutely put everyone to shame. Oh, yeah. Just with his just swagger, man, just uh-huh. straight, just, you know, dirty swagger in that For town, sure. too. I mean, those yeah. the, those bars, you get up about two, three o'clock in the morning and it gets raw. Yeah. But man, it's that that place is, you know, that South is Sash, a great you know, place. It's, it's Chicago, yeah. man. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, who did you grow up listening to? You know, it sounds like you, uh, you know, I'm, you have a, a good history of, or good knowledge of, of music history, but you know, who were some yeah. of your influences? I mean, a lot of Beatles. I, yeah. I, so a lot of Allman Brothers dead. I, and then getting into, you know, believe it or not, like three eleven. I, <laughs> You know, uh-huh. Lenny Kravitz, that kind of stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah. BC Boys, you know, a lot of so hip-hop, all, that kind of stuff. All Just, over, kind of. Might as Different well. sources. You know, uh, I, I liked a lot of Nashville stuff, too. You know, you get into, like, old old country. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Johnny Cash. Love Johnny Cash. Oh, yeah. 
You know, I still it. I have a hard time even on the So you're saying some of these shows are so hot and all that kind of stuff, man. I have a hardest time because I, <laughs> I have a hang up of wearing shorts in a show. It just looks unprofessional to me. I don't. Uh, and I know yeah. it's a rock show and it really shouldn't matter. But if Johnny didn't do it, man, I just I, yeah yeah. I didn't see right. Cash going out there and no like culottes or something. Anything, it just didn't happen. So. Anything less than like you know. <laughs> Blue jeans and a button-down shirt, like right, he just doesn't man. seem like that kind of guy. I mean, I can go guy. with a t-shirt now, you know, uh-huh. if it's got a little bit of you know swagger to it. But I just, you know. So, who are some of the bass players? Did you always play the bass, or did you start out uh, playing something else? Well, I mean, early on, like, uh, let's see, I started playing playing instruments uh, coming out of elementary school into middle school. I started picking up guitars. Uh huh. I uh, started picking did up guitars. Did you do like band? In uh, elementary and and uh, uh, band band like formal band school. started in middle school uh-huh. at Bridgman, uh, and yeah, I always played everything. Played tenor sax and I uh, right marching band and drum major and played a couple of different instruments. How uh, did that transition to um, the bass? Well, I'd always I'd been playing guitar the, that whole time. Oh, okay. Uh, through middle school and. In middle school, I started like actually learning how to play a little bit more and like follow along songs. And I remember my dad uh, telling me, "Man, you, you know, you like doing this. You like playing playing along with other people. You really ought to pick up a bass and learn how to sing harmonies while you do it." So he's the one who sort of implanted that notion of him and my mom both. But uh-huh. you know, are he, they he musicians too? Do they? Yeah, uh, they both. He, oh, my yeah. mom played. You know, played saxophone and you know in wow. high school and stuff like that. And my dad was in a band when he when they met, but. Nothing like professional all the time. Nothing like right. recording. You know, nothing to this extent. But uh, they they both had musical inklings, and there's records around always, and there instruments around when I was growing up. So it was easy to access a guitar and start playing. Yeah, you know, I didn't yeah. have to go buy something. I could just they had pick one they had up, stuff around you know. the house and stuff. A bass we had to get, but uh, that was more you know start off in high school. You know, with bands. You did know, you have before Slim Gypsy bands. and before <laughs> playing with Morgan? Did you have any other bands that you oh, were in man. or high school garage band stuff? You uh-huh. know, like, did you play out anywhere? You just no, got together I mean, the, and just the, sort of the, tried to make songs work. The was it the the variety show? Oh you know, sure, like getting ready party. for that kind of stuff. Maybe some birthday parties, that kind of stuff. You know, we were band geeks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For lack of better terms, you know, we were, we were band geeks, so we knew how to play and we knew the theory behind stuff, so we could figure songs out and a lot of Weezer and oh you know, right, nineties uh-huh. grunge metal, you know, grunge yeah. rock kind of stuff. Just yeah, Pearl Jam and Nirvana, that kind of stuff. Right, you know. But stuff the that, first stuff that band sounded where... good, good with a gritty boss, dirt, you know, pedal. You yeah, know, you don't got to get crazy with it. Now, you know, my gear is nuts now but you know so you do use tone pedals now yeah what, what kind of tone pedals do you use <sighs> i've got a uh normally i have a compressor somewhere in my in my chain what does uh, that do it's going to smooth out the highs and lows like okay. uh, just make it so i can uh, if you don't have the peaks and valleys i can bring my overall set volume up and get more present in the mix without overtaking anything just smooths everything out just uh-huh. a little bit takes the edge off yeah. Slightly. If you use it right, it can be really expressive. If you overuse it, it can sound really squished and kind of flat. But I don't use a lot. Use a little bit at the yeah. beginning. I usually have a chorus pedal. I uh, 
analog chorus pedal from TC Electronics and the AI. Wow, well, God, what's the name of that company? Uh, the, I, I run a fuzz pedal a lot of times. Uh-huh, uh, a, lot of, a lot of bass, like if you think like make a, a little distortion. Think like it. sabotage, uh, BC Boys sabotage. That, uh-huh. that bass solo in the middle and the breakdown. Right, right. It almost like makes your bass sound like ripping Velcro apart, almost. <laughs> you know, just really gritty and dirty and raw. Seventies uh, kind of gritty sound. Uh, yeah. I have. It's like a death by audio war fuzz it's some boutique pedal that i found at chicago music cool. exchange uh, i love chicago music exchange me and cam are big time supporters yeah of that place. yeah we make love your, it make the trek out oh there. my god that place is a pilgrimage man it yeah. made my knees go weak the first you could ask my <laughs> wife it made my knees go weak when i first time i walked in there man uh but yeah we uh that and the, you know those two uh usually an overdrive and then i go into a uh it's a line six uh m9 which is like a multi-effect pedal that I didn't, I never believed in multi-effect pedals. I kind of always believed in analog, nothing digital uh-huh. pedals. And I, uh, until I started recording in Nashville and saw every studio guitar player and bass player had this one pedal. And yeah. I'm like, why are you guys running this uh-huh. line, this line six pedal? And he's like, well, you know, every one of them, they're like, it's to go to like, I don't always want, I don't want to spend 120 bucks, 200 bucks on a phaser. You know what I mean? It's a digital effect anyway. Yeah. You know, so might as well go go with this that has like 15 of them. You know, and they all, right. it's and all, they all right sound there. good. It's, you know, it actually, yeah. if you get the right pedal, you can find stuff that sounds really good. I mean, a- Axe Effects is a company that does like a big multi-effects non, it's a, it's a amp modeler effect rig, amp rig. So you can actually run direct into the house with no speakers. Uh-huh. And just use use the house sound, and, oh, okay. and, and, which the sound guys love because then they're yeah, not competing they're not, with you. Right. I mean, it sounds great, and I mean, things cost like five grand or nine grand. So it's ridiculous prices on for, these things for all that stuff for together. All of the to be able to make stuff, all to be able that, to, you know, yeah. not including your guitars and, to make all this work. And I'm like, you know, that's cool, but I still like my big ass tube amp. Yeah, you know, just right. This big stack with a big bunch of glowing tubes that gets hot and it's temperamental and. You know, you got to be kind of nice with it, and it weighs like 95 pounds for the head yeah. and then another 100 pounds for the cabinet, you know, oh, running fine. in like 1972. Got to, you know. We're going to close out the radio show. You're listening to Johnny's Secret Stash. I'm here with Matt Smith, the bass player from Slim Gypsy Baggage, a St. Joe bass band, yeah, would you St. say? Yeah, St. Joe, Michigan. All right. Yep. Uh, and we were talking briefly about Ragamuffin. So, uh, this is Radio Harbor Country, WRHC 106.7 FM out of Three Oaks, 93.5 FM out of Sawyer, Michigan. That's WRHZ. And we're underwritten by Harbor Country Hydroponics out of New Buffalo, Michigan. We talked a little bit about... Hey, come, come see us at uh, the day before Thanksgiving in uh, the livery in Benton Harbor. Yes. All right. Uh, we're going to come back after uh, this song, which is Ragamuffin, the song that... Uh, um, the band was able to uh, get the rights to and yeah, record yeah, it's a, it's on a their Dive Bomb album. Yep. Um, you guys definitely make it your own. It's a, yeah, it's we'll come like back the and, and talk more after, after we listen to the song. Here we go. You never had it easy, I know. Still remember you, what we used to have so. This must song for you, my friend Only you can see that I can hardly forget No, no, no Listen to the sound of my voice 
You and brother send them all my love. It's giving me no choice. No, no, no. Listen to the sound of the ID boys. Ragamuffin is a freedom fighter. He's in a little choice, and I know that. Dear Ragamuffin is a one lovely friend. What you see is what you really needed in the end. But what you ever gonna, gonna do, I don't know. Dear Ragamuffin, till I not fall down. What you see is what's a mess, I'm not fooling around. I'm why I should be good and stay under your ground. Easy, I know. Still remember you. Oh, what we used to have so.
and we're back, and you're now in the podcast. Yeah. We can say whatever we want. You can say all the curse words. All the now. curse words we were holding back from before. Now, I don't, now you're not going to hear me pause like <laughs> randomly when, when I'm about to. Oh, shit. Can I say that? I'm that? Not supposed to say. <laughs> yeah. Well, so we were talking about that song uh, while I was playing, and uh, you pointed out that that sort of last solo from Camamina on yeah. the guitar. Uh, how he just kind of came up with that. I mean, Cam's really. my idol, man. That, kid, <laughs> that dude, I, he is, his guitar playing is, it's so much fun to watch. How did you guys pull him into the band like that? Was he doing something else? Uh, my wedding. Yeah, okay. Seriously. Did he play at your wedding randomly? Yeah, uh, That's when he, you guys all first met? Dirk, Morgan's husband, Dirk, knew Cam from uh, Cam hanging out in the tattoo shop, and underneath the tattoo shop had an MMA, like a fighting gym. Really? And he hung out there. <laughs> like a <laughs> when dome? When he was in high school. <laughs> yeah, it, no, it was, it was really, this is a really random, weird circle of events. But, uh, yeah, he, oh, my God. He hung out there, and he's a little kid from guitar. Like, I, there are videos of Cam when he was like nine years old, twelve years old, playing like Joe Satriani solos and stuff. He's so he's like savant, man. Derek Trucks prodigy kind of yeah, guy. Yeah, he's a ridiculous guitar player. He's he's very talented, and I, uh, you know, he really is a around. pleasure to watch. I mean, oh, he's, he's great. unbelievable. And I, uh, he hanging out in St. Joe and knew Cam, and I, uh, or knew Dirk, and Dirk and me were friends. Uh, that's how I met my wife. Actually, was. Through Dirk and Morgan? Actually, they were going to introduce us, and we met the day before. Oh, now, there you go. There, that's, I mean, that's even that's, crazier. So oh, yeah. Dirk was going to be doing the wet. He was officiating. Morgan was standing up. I wanted someone to play, like, just play some background music while people were coming in. Uh-huh. They were like, oh, we know this kid. He'll noodle for hours. And it was Cam. <laughs> and then the whole reception was me and Cam playing guitar. Just jamming. Just at your jamming own, the whole at time. your own uh, yeah, wedding. So, and then that's it was great. a couple years later, and, and Cam joined uh, the band officially. Uh-huh. But that was like the first time playing with you guys all at the River's Edge. Even before that, though, he started at the River's Edge with us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That uh, do they still play music at the River's Edge like that? Where they just sort of have the open jam kind of stuff? No, not anymore. Sounds like uh, it all sort of migrated over to the livery and even the Phoenix. The Phoenix uh, right over in the Arts District. They never really doing much down at at. the river's edge that way uh-huh. they would have like little acoustic acts and stuff and me and morgan just kind of ramped it up i like, gotcha they right. didn't really plan on us ramping yeah, up just walked in like oh yeah like we're eventually like the, you know it's like slim gypsy bags we you know the name comes from like us trying to like do more with less and like not having a bunch of crazy uh, gear and all that kind of stuff uh-huh. and then that, that kind of all went out the window yeah <laughs> we like it's truck loads of gear at this point oh yeah i'll bet <laughs> well you know I, me and cam if we like linked our pedal boards we're a couple of pedals away from sentient thought i'm pretty <laughs> sure <laughs> but right. you know ai isn't too far off our boards <laughs> at this point you know there's like plasma things going on it's ridiculous uh-huh. but it's fun, you know the 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 creativity that you can get with those pedals and just being able. It's, you know, you don't need them. Cam doesn't need them. You know, we've done some acoustic shows and things like that, and we don't need those pedals to uh-huh. do that kind of stuff. But it's the way you approach the technology. You know, yeah, we're analog guys, and we definitely uh, use older technology in all of our our the amps and stuff. In our is. amps and our and most of our pedals are all analog uh-huh. stuff, but. You know, uh, it's how you're using it. Are you using it to express yourself or are you using it for a crutch to not because you can't play? 
you know, there, right, there's, there's right. a difference, to, you know, to you can dis- do a, make it distort and, and yeah. not hear every note. And I mean, you can write a song thing. with a three over three over four pattern in it. You know, it's incredibly difficult to play, you know, and make sense to an audience and like solo over. I mean, or you can click on a delay pedal that's stereo that will do it for you. Uh-huh. You know right. what I mean? There's, there's ways around a lot of this stuff. And I'm not saying that you should do it that way, but, you know, the ability to click in and out of having your delays patch over each other in weird three over four patterns and while you're doing something in six, eight and all this other kind of uh-huh. like madness, just being able to like create these soundscapes with that stuff that's is incredibly am- is. freeing. You know, it's, oh, yeah. it's really fun to do. Uh, yeah. I know me and Cam have really been playing around. Uh, you know, if I'd say we were doing anything recently, it'd be more, <laughs> uh, shoegazer kind of yeah yeah just effect just driven letting it all just sort of pour like, out like a, i don't know band taiko uh, uh yeah like i think that. i've heard of those guys i uh, taiko's a good a big influence i uh, you know uh, minus the bear was another one that uh-huh. was great with that kind of stuff real ambient tones like on locust things like that so we were talking before about uh some of your some of the um Bass, some of the bands that you are influenced by, but what about bass players? You know, bass who players. are some of the, yeah, have any bass players that, you know, you just put yeah. up on a pedestal? Uh, James I think Jamerson, of, for one. Oh, who's he with? Uh, everything you've ever heard in Motown. Like 80% uh, of Motown okay. was, was James Jamerson. Yeah. He's he's the godfather. He's the reason why bass sounds the way it does. Interesting. Okay. If you really want to listen to why bass sounds the way it does, James Jamerson, all right. Uh, Check that or, out. Or uh, Donald Duck Dunn. Yeah, uh, the Blues Brothers movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, and, you know, the funny part about those guys. They were great musicians. Everybody so. but the two guys that, you know, the two main actors right. of the Blues Brothers, they were all studio musicians in New York. Yeah, yeah. They were hardcore. I mean, they were stacks. Right. They, they were certainly like weren't from, actors. They were they were guys <laughs> from stacks recording, for God's sake. Yeah. I mean, they, Don Dunn is one of the best bass players you've ever heard, man. He, that guy shreds. Yeah. I. Uh, and, you what know, about guys I'm, like O'Teal, you know, who's getting who played yeah. with the Allman Brothers. Now he's with Dead and Company, yep. and he's uh, actually he's also with um, that uh, Vita Blue uh-huh. um, that that Paige McConnell, uh, you know, kind of resurrected. It's, he's amazing, man. He, that guy, he really is. He, the the and he breadth gets so of work that it. he can work in, you know, yeah. like the different genres that he can work in. That's not easy to be able to like. Those aren't similar styles of music he's playing. You know, he, he's True. really he's he's. He's got going a, all hu- over the board, a, a man. hugely broad knowledge yeah. of the instrument to be yeah. able to make it kind of just do whatever he wants. It's and a the bass is a deceptively difficult instrument. Okay, it's not it's not your heralded thing. The way I best best way I can describe it is if you go to watch a band and their drummer sucks, you know the drums suck. Uh-huh. If the guitar player isn't sub is subpar, you know the guitar solos are off, and you know. Yes, you, you can well, pinpoint it. Right. Same thing can, with the singer. If they're singing out of uh-huh. tune the whole time, you just you know it's like, yeah. oh god, that's horrible. If the bass player is bad, you can't really put your finger on it, but you know the band sucks. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I like, know what you mean. Yeah, because you know, it's kind of in that it, it's that level that isn't quite. It's almost like at an unconscious level. Well, some of the some of the notes on bass you can't really technically you don't you're. It's below the register that your ear can technically uh-huh. vibrate, oh, so you're okay. perceiving it off of vibrations in your head. Uh, your your brain perceives them, but it's not heard through the oral canal. The same yeah, way. It, it's a it's a weird instrument, and you know, it, at the end of the day, especially when you're playing in between someone like Cam and Morgan's voice, the you know, the idea here is to stay out of the way. Uh-huh. You know, like put 
find little moments where I can put in my flavor, and that's fine. But I'm not going to try. Well, Cam's doing stuff like on that last solo. Honestly, what what am I going to add to that? Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, stay out of the well, way. Well, hold so, hold down. It's the, a little bit of a Ringo attach to you know a, a, yeah. attack to it sometimes. Not not in a horrible way. Not in, I don't you know say I'm I'm like a subpar bassist or I try to like underplay, but you know, no being tasteful with a bass is a lot. More you're difficult to do. You're yeah. conscious of where you sit within the song. Yeah, I, yeah. I can play a lot more notes. I choose not to. I, right. You know, it's it's being tasteful on on that. It's gonna. I try to add to the song. I'm not trying to take over song. I'm not trying to lead a song anywhere. I'm trying to. I'm trying to make it sound good. Yeah. So, what do you think about guys like Les Claypool, who are really driving the melody? They're of, amazing. Of They're amazing stuff. guys, man. I don't. I don't try to emulate it in a band like ours. Right, you know, right. if you take Claypool is is an anomaly, man. <laughs> he you know, is. He's Victor amazing. Wooten. Just oh, right, good Victor God, Wooten. Man. Those guys uh-huh. are they're they're instrumentalists. You know, I could put a ukulele in their hands, and something cool is going to come out. It doesn't matter what yeah. instrument you put in there; they've chose to do it on bass. Well, you hear Oysterhead is uh, is getting back together. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Stuart Copeland, Trey Anastasio, oh, and, so and Les Claypool. That, that, that'll be awesome. Did, man. Yeah, that and uh, Duo to Twang is one of my favorite ones he did too. That's a great, a great little project uh-huh. he did, a little bluegrass thing. But, oh, I hadn't heard that one. Oh, it's well, great. I've heard the um, uh, Lennon Claypool Delirium. Yeah, they played at uh, summer camp. That's right. Did. Yeah, they played. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, those guys are cool. I uh, yeah, yeah, amazing. I mean, they're amazing instrumentalists. They're amazing musicians. It's what the way that I approach a bass, it would be boring to those guys, and it you know it wouldn't work, man. They, they, I can't approach that. Well, I can it's try, like he's, you know, and he's I, I driving the melody. Do. You oh, know? they're they're driving the melody, the bass, the the harmonies. They're doing they're all over the yeah. place. You know, I watched Victor Wooten before do a slap bass technique that you know included a downstroke and an upstroke with his thumb, and then all four fingers, every one of them articulated, and he could run scales while he was going between it. And I'm wow. like, how? that's amazing like that's amazing like do i spend the time to learn something like that because i'm not getting that gig in a studio you know what i mean there i'm not hey, if know, they need like, that kind of work i'm not going to be the guy that gets that call it's just not that's okay they I'm haven't heard you do that, it yet you know? that's, well yeah exactly they may if i know how right, right it's all they're all tools you know that you can use i think they're amazing yeah. players i think it's it's amazing work listening to those guys you know uh, it, it's it's almost beyond me. Uh, uh, Mike Nelson from uh, the Sibian yeah, Family Band. Yeah, right. Mean, you guys must a, have fun playing together. Oh, it's great, man. We uh, there one year we did because we we do these shows. Like the right, you we were talking about thing. the um, uh, the show on the Wednesday of of Thanksgiving week, yeah. and you're doing that with um, Sibian Family Band. Yeah, we do like a conglomerate band, and like every now and then we'll pull out songs with like double bass on it. And it's just it's an absolute riot, man. You don't hear too many we did double s- bass kind of songs. <laughs> we did Cisco Kid one year oh, with man, that, that and just fun. it was, yeah, you know, four guitar players or something at that point. Uh-huh. You know, just three percussionists. It All was, it was outstanding ridiculous. leads. You know, Nate. Uh, Nate Sipian oh, and Nate, Danny Dime, Nate, like Danny, that duo, all together and up with there, Cam, and me and, and and uh, Mike. It was just you know how fun it was. I, <laughs> you know, there are shows that I've seen at delivery that are offensively loud, and I know we're that way sometimes. I know we are. <laughs> I, I'll fully admit it, man. That we can we can get loud, and 
we try to do it when the when the audience is pushing us there you know what I mean? uh-huh. I, our shows definitely at the livery are a riot oh yeah it's you know, like you know this whole room filled with all these great friends i mean everyone yeah. there is is an intimate person that you know like right. there's a show like that you're not going to have a bunch of random people showing up not no. really recognizing your your songs you do and, i mean and the thing is now you know please everyone listening to the podcast portion of this man go get your tickets now that's right you had that fleetwood mac thing it's sold we out to, we've been since we've done abbey road there we've sold uh-huh. out every yeah. show that we played at delivery <laughs> since at slim gypsy baggage or conglomerate with 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 the Scipions. so it's you know we uh we hold the attendance record at delivery we took it from green sky with the abbey road show that's unbelievable I'm just gonna dust off my shoulders on that one a little bit that show was that was an amazing piece of music to learn yeah, oh, we, we covered Abbey Road from cover to cover. Uh-huh. You know, I had Mike Cook and and a couple other people come up and play with us to be able to just round out the parts because there's so much going on in that recording that you know four people can't really. Right, right. It was never played live. You, you know, really uh, I just want to getting back to that. I don't mean to divert no, so much, but you know, we've talked about Cam Amina being your guitar player, Morgan Ingle being uh, the uh, rhythm guitar and, yeah. and vocals. You're on bass. Uh, oh, what about your drummer? Our drummer is Joel Gornflow. How long has he been with you guys? Uh, he's been with us for about two, three years now. Uh, he is, uh, let's see, he's playing with... Uh, he's got, he plays <laughs> with band. another band. I'm too. sorry. Yeah, oh, he plays okay. with I Am Band, too. Oh, all right. He's their drummer. Uh, he's He plays around St. Joe, Benton Harbor area, uh-huh. you know, with him and Elliot Scorzol. And, uh, uh, these guys are great. Yeah, he's, he's Joel is one of those guys that's like a studio level drummer. You know, what I mean, he just well, how he comes lucky in, he that goes, you guys like, were able what, to, to. He's like, "What do you want us in? to play? You know, yeah. what do you want? How do you want it to sound?" And you tell him. He's like, "Cool," and it sounds and that it, way. And, you're and like, he's cool. able to just do wow, it. Wow, that's <laughs> impressive, dude. <laughs> do you have so you had uh, you have the show coming up uh, November twenty? I want to say it's the twenty sixth. That yeah, Wednesday, day, Wednesday before Thanksgiving. Wednesday before Thanksgiving, yep. whatever that might be. Yep. And then, uh, do you have anything else coming up before then? Or no, we got a break after that for a while. Uh-huh. We've been playing a lot for a lot of years. So yeah. we're just kind of relaxing, trying to recharge and write some more music. And Okay, so that's that's where you guys are now. You're writing yep. music. And how, what's your process with that? Does someone bring like uh, a melody to the to the practice? And usually then you... someone, someone, you can uh-huh. be, someone will come, you know, come with something. And usually it'll get rapidly expanded upon from there, you know. A lot of our newer stuff, uh, stuff I don't really have recordings for, like uh, one of my favorite songs, Truth. Uh, you know, you kind of have a... We've tried different ways of approaching, you know, writing a song, and that one was more, you know, The Wheels, for instance, is, you know, two different songs Morgan have been writing and playing around with, and this love lost and this kind of melancholy emotion that she was playing around with and had some lyrics and we all kind of refined our parts to it and molded it and shaped it and got to where it was. Uh, you know, it was a kind of a result of a situation more than a conscious effort towards uh-huh. something. Uh, Truth, another song that I, for, I wish I had a recording of it to give you, but I, it, it was more of a, what are we going to write about? Like, let's come up with a story. You know, let's, let's two people that are having an argument and don't agree. And I have my side of the story and you have your side of the story and they're going to argue over each other and they're going to end up not agreeing. 
you know, and then you try to like write this, you know, I wrote one part, you know, just hearing, hearing someone just run this little melody out. And I wrote this line, you know, I don't know who you are. I don't know where you've been. I don't know whose smell been on your skin. You know, just like, yeah, kind of, I was yeah. kind of being corny and everyone's like, you're right, 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 right. <laughs> so I like wrote this, like, you know, one bar of like a 12 bar blues thing, you know? And we're like, okay, what do we do for the second verse? I'm like, have Morgan sing it, but have her sing on all the off places where I didn't sing. Uh huh. Like have her sing in my, where my pauses were for the most part. And the third verse, we just sang our parts over each other Uh huh. to literally represent like what a fight when, when two sides cannot agree with each other one little bit. Right. It just represented all of that. That's cool. And what one's that? It's What's called it called? Tr- it's called Truth. I don't. Truth. I, okay, know, so it's not it's on, not any on of our, either of these. Unfortunately, albums. it's not on anything that I have on Spotify for you. If I can get you a recording of it, I will. But I, I don't. I'd have to ask Cam see if he has one. We might have something. You guys sound like you've got just a lot of stuff. We have a lot of ready stuff to get out there. <laughs> we have a lot of stuff that's recorded that we haven't actually released. We have yeah. at least an album and a half. Well, of that's stuff that we haven't that's released. great. Yeah, <laughs> but it's all it's all recorded. It sounds yeah. like. Yeah, it's, it's just all, a matter of like done. putting it together. I mean, it's literally all done. We have you? Have to, uh, I don't put, know why we haven't released it. Quite honestly, uh, have you thought about uh, you know putting anything out on vinyl? Or yeah, like definitely. That? I mean, getting the getting the funds together for it would be would be the only thing on that one. But uh-huh. you know, it's definitely worth doing. Yeah, vinyl's cool. I love I love the idea of pressing vinyl. Oh, yeah, you know, I am band has done it, and some other bands around here local have been doing it, and it's just. It's a great thing. Yeah, it it does really c- kind of give you that permanence, you know. Oh yeah. Um, I mean Haymarket right up the street, Haymarket Brewery. If you go in there. Yeah. What do you mean? What about it? Uh, they only spin vinyl. Oh. oh, oh their their music for right. their for their uh, just, their ambient music in the, yeah, in the bar. They just have, you know, they right. only have a record player in there. It's awesome. I love it. And have you been down to Burnham Brewery? Oh yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you know, I mean, like, on Robert Tuesdays, Rolf Federson is yeah. a champion man. That guy. Oh man, he's he's a that a he's a force collection. of nature, man. He really is. He's just a musical force of nature. That's a good way to to. Actually, Steve uh, Steve Murray played with us for one of our Americana shows up at Delivery. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. We like to bring them, you know, we like to do shows up at Delivery that are a little bit different. Uh-huh, yeah. You know, not you, just your normal right, you don't, run-of-the-mill. Because the, the people that know you and then are going to go there appreciate. Have seen us Yeah, they, bunch, they love you know, they, all the stuff you're going to If you want to see an original show of ours, you know, come see us at, like, Cowboy Music Festival or, uh-huh. or you know summer camp or something like that or, or one of the the big you know one of the shows that we're doing out and about delivery though we try to we try to do something weird we try yeah. to do something different the show before thanksgiving with the Scipians, we're doing all david bowie oh that's gonna be a blast <laughs> <laughs> so that's fun you know they're like you guys want to do bowie i'm like yes that's yes, a, that's yes, so cool. Yes, I do. I'm a hundred percent a huge bowie fan. I would love this. So have I'm, you been? Uh, um, you know, practicing everybody all together, practicing or how does <laughs> that work? Bit, a little right. bit. I mean, we pick out the songs. Yeah, you know, you so sit down at a bar, have me you know, go down to like Watermark or something, and uh-huh. have a couple drinks, and uh, figure out a set list, and everybody go kind of rehearse some parts. And right, yeah, you guys Michael are pretty kinda, far along that you're not. Uh, usually, me and Michael kind of split split up bass duties. Oh, right, throughout right. it, and then I uh, switch back and forth between bass and keys. Usually, you know, just adding little. Notes uh-huh. or ambience, you don't have to do a lot. I mean, That's gonna be with a that many with that many stage. musicians. You can have everybody on stage for the whole time, or usually, you can do yeah. a set of this and a set no, of that. No, we usually just bring everybody up. Oh, there that's, gonna be, <laughs> that's gonna be that's gonna be rocking. That stage is 
Well, I mean, it's, it's be a, tight. complicated parts, though. I mean, there's a lot going on. on his uh, yeah, songs, David Bowie so is. Uh, there's definitely a lot you know, of you stuff. You get into going something on. like Let's Dance or something. You're not. You're not talking about like one guitar part. You're, yeah, you've got horns and stuff that we have to account for, and like right. We don't necessarily have a horn line, so no. you have to figure that out somehow. Or even really a keyboard. I guess uh, Danny does a little keyboard stuff, but Mike Nelson does a little. I can does do he? a little. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, we can. Yeah, you <laughs> have to pull we'll, it together. We'll figure it out. Yeah. yeah, that's that's some of the fun of it, though. It's like just like okay, here's a song. How are we gonna play it? Yeah, I have no clue. <laughs> let's let's, let's uh, let someone take a part. I don't know. Uh-huh. You know. Let's let's figure this one out. You know, those are fun uh, puzzles to solve. Well, they're I guess great. You man. could say, you know, I, you know, Abbey Abbey Road started our our journey doing that kind of stuff and just kind of figuring it out. Yeah, yeah. Instead of just playing a a Beatles song here, a Beatles song there, it is so cool that you have you know like. You know, Slim Gypsy transforms into the Beatles of Abbey Road. Yeah, that, was know, a, that was that was a powerful, emotional, spiritual kind of a thing to play that show. Oh, show. Bet. I, yeah, I, in all honesty, I mean, everybody knows that shoes. piece. Mm-hmm. It's a piece of music everybody knows. Yeah, everybody knows every word, every note, every every inflection, every piece of emotion, and they all have their own emotions attached to some piece of music in there. Yeah, so it's a journey with an audience a whole lot more than I expected it to be, man. You really, I mean, it's emotional. You're tearing up at parts. You're, you're watching people in the audience, you know, during the wait and they're just, (laughs) you know, just absolutely, you know, singing it back to you, screaming and tears streaming down their eyes. And I'm like, wow. You know, the, the Fleetwood Mac playing rumors. Yeah. You want to talk about people being emotional during a show. You know, you're tugging on a lot. You know, every every emotional breakup somebody's had through middle school oh, or high school. Right. You know what I mean? Is reflected in that piece of music somewhere. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? So th- they came to that show, man. You had people just screaming Rihanna back to you, just uh-huh. bawling. You know, yeah. like, this is awesome. Right, and everyone knows every word. Yeah, every single yeah. word, man. Every single word. So well, how did you guys decide to do that? I mean, you know, really, it's because it's very. <laughs> oh, your music doesn't sound like Fleetwood Mac necessarily. It's no, not, it doesn't sound like the Beatles. It's not like you're, no. you know, a Beatles cover band. Yet, no. you know, you immerse yourself in Abbey Road album, and then you immerse yourself in the, you know, Fleetwood Mac rumors. So, you know, how did you, how did you guys decide those are the albums that you were gonna? do for those particular shows i mean honestly what other beatles album would you do you know i mean Uh what other beatles album really encompasses the beatles more it's a long yeah it was a long decision making process there's a lot of of going back and forth like what do you what do you play sergeant pepper does that really does that really encompass the beatles more no i definitely not man i mean right uh definitely abbey road i think if you're going to talk about like their masterpiece right as a as a whole it's yeah, not that, cherry picking music like if you're doing to... david bowie you can go through his catalog uh-huh, and like yeah. what encompasses david bowie and you can have fun with that and yeah what can we do you know like what what's gonna what are we gonna do best you know we can play around with that and really kind of have fun when you choose an album you know like rumors with fleetwood mac you know i i we did it as a slim gypsy show that one more so i Well, that really I, is such a quintessential album. I mean, it well, I mean, was, I, uh, I know Danny was—he was definitely, you know, uh, a, a, a pre, 
uh, Lindsey Buckingham. Uh huh. Yeah, you know, right. Was, the Peter Green of uh, Fleetwood yeah. Mac. Yeah, he's like so. That, he's that like, you know, we're like, hey, you guys want to do? You guys want to do Fleetwood Mac? He's like, I'll do Peter Green Fleetwood Mac. And everyone <laughs> looks at me. He's like, no one knows Peter Green yeah. Fleetwood Mac, man. That's just not what's happening. <laughs> Merry go round. <laughs> We've and, been uh, cold you know, dark I night. Know, I know Cam really had always wanted to do uh, rumors. He had, that was Cam oh, really okay. pushed for rumors. Gotcha. And we're like, all right, let's do rumors. Yeah. You know? It just. It's huge when people, well, it must you know, have been so much fun too to to you know transform yourselves like that. And it's really fun. It's yep. really fun. I mean, there, it's it's. Um, I found different shows like we did uh, the Rolling Stones with the uh, uh, the Sipians uh-huh. before. We did a, a big. I think I remember that. We did a big Rolling Stone set with them, and it's really funny because like certain bands or certain of these groups i've really grown to appreciate after i've delved into their music uh-huh. really heavy and others i really didn't yeah you know stones i i did not gain any respect for them as, huh. I, as I really okay. delved into their music it was okay i mean it yeah. was fun it was fun to play i mean it was, it's visceral stones music is really kind of simple there's mm-hmm. the and and even some of their lyrics are like okay well we got this great uh, this melody uh, it's throw some like casino really boogie. Like, there's yeah. no, there's, there's no story there. No. It's just like they I mean, just some of this stuff pulled... is really the the structure of the song doesn't really follow any kind of like a what you expect Typical it design. to. And uh-huh. it's like, were they just being clever? Like, what's going on here? Like, it just makes it difficult for difficult sake. Yeah, sometimes. I don't know. I, compared to the the subtlety and the complexity and the the masterfulness which something like abbey road was written yeah it's really hard for me to compare the two bands i love them both man the stones are great and it's it's visceral yeah but it's not the kind of thing that i really enjoyed playing that much right right you know the audience loved it i'm not you know it's great yeah the audience reaction sure everyone likes to you know six and one and a half dozen the other it was great it was awesome um as far as something that really pushed me or challenged me musically though abbey road was that was really hard. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Paul McCartney's bass lines. It, Paul McCartney's another one. You asked about. Uh, oh right. Bass right. players in my life. Paul McCartney's one. You almost don't think about him as a bass player because I one think of the even best players to ever pick up a bass. Does he even still play a bass these days? Yeah. Oh, he does. Yeah, okay. he still does because he plays he, guitar too. I here's think. Here's the thing. Yeah, he does. He, and he was the original guitar player for the Beatles. You know, he's he's the crazy part about Paul McCartney and the way he plays bass is he's incredibly noty. Okay, he uh-huh. plays he plays a lot of notes, uh, very complex parts, but somehow never steps on anybody's toes. That's amazing. I <laughs> uh, he does a thing called a sub hook, which is kind of common now, but no one had done it before him. Where he's not wow. playing the melody, he's not playing the harmony, but he kind of defines a song That's by what wild. he's playing. Like if you think about like uh, uh paperback writer or one of these yeah. one of these songs uh-huh. or i uh, i uh, tax man is a great one okay you know yeah yeah it's not the, what you would pick out as being the driving part of the song but it's the only moving part of the song besides the lyrics right right okay? how about that and it's not the melody it's not the harmony he hardly you know bass players usually sit on the one I, i'm getting into musical terms here but the one the four and the five uh-huh. so, so you know the cardinal notes of a of a 12 bar blues progression yeah you know you're sitting on the roots you're sitting on the root if, if if the guitar player plays a g chord you're gonna play a g yeah you know you might play you know a g and a d and a you know an f is gonna be it's your one thought of as a supporting there, you know? instrument yeah it's, it's a supporting it's, instrument now paul 
hardly ever sat on the one. He hard, he was up in like in the sevens and the nines and all these mm. weird little, you know, something in the way she moves. You listen to that song, uh, you know, this these like incredibly lyrical bass lines that don't come in the way of the, the these very soft and subtle lyrics. Yeah, the bass part is incredibly difficult. And I Cam, as we were listening to this, he goes or playing it, and he goes. Is that what he plays? And I go, yeah. We started listening to the album again. He came back a week later. He's like, man, I'm sorry. I'm like, for what? He's like, <laughs> for this th- album is kicking your ass. I'm like, it really is. It's really kicking my ass. But well, you grew as a result. It, oh yeah, it's yeah. and you know, uh, playing other people's music is giving you tools. You know, uh, the the way they approached music was, you know, and then to think that even learning learning recording parts, they uh, tricks. They did a thing called the TikTok bass that was actually popularized in Nashville. Where all of Paul's parts, he would play them, and uh, John or George would play them on a Fender Bass Six. Uh huh. I, uh, you know, he was Paul was famous for one instrument. He hardly ever played it recording. It was either a Fender Jazz Bass or a Rickenbacker, and then the other guys would grab up a Fender Jazz uh, Bass Six, which is like a one octave down guitar. Okay. And they would double him real time yeah. in the studio and they would both play the parts on stereo tracks. Uh-huh. And it gives this thick almost non-perfect live feel to yeah. a bass and if you listen every Sliding now and then you can barely you can barely tell it but I mean they were doing incredibly innovative stuff and to think that they were doing it on a four track, you know I'm looking at your board right now, and you've got like 28 channels, yeah, 16 channels. And this is they the radio a, station. They had a four channel. Uh-huh. They had four yeah. channels. And, Amazing. You know, you asked their 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 producers, you know, how did you account for all that? These orchestras playing and right, you know, backwards records and all these other yeah. effects and everything you were doing. How did you account for that? With and you only had four tracks, and you had to compress it, and then you only had three compress it, three compress it. Yeah. Goes, well, I mean, at the end of the day, I'll compress it down to two tracks for stereo. So. Having, I just yeah. dealt with it, you know, and I'm like, that's it is quite amazing. Those, that's, the again, things that you know, they the things were that producers did for 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 groups, yeah. yeah. Or you know, really look at it the other way around. Think about the technology that they have now to basically be doing similar kinds of things that they were trying to do then. Yeah, the stuff you're we're listening to on Slim Gypsy Baggage has you know sixty upwards of a hundred, hundred and twenty tracks in some of this stuff. Wow. I mean, there's there's layers on layers on layers. Yeah, you know. <laughs> It's that's pretty amazing. It's you know you got so, just on a drum track you can have sixteen plus tracks. Yeah, so you guys have um, those two well album and a half I'd call it because you uh, the undercurrents is more yeah, like yeah. a EP and then um, the, uh, dive bomb um, is the full album. Right. But then you've got other stuff too, and it, some of this stuff available through your website uh, or on we'll YouTube, and, and, YouTube and then you have kind of uh, you also have um, CDs that are available at concerts. Usually, and, we'll bring up some have some stuff yeah. done, you know available T-shirts. I know. Yeah, we usually have usually merchandise, have some of that kind of stuff around. We we try to keep something there for people to to purchase. You know. Yeah. Um, well, listen. We I mean, that's it, that's you know? the. That's really, it's kind of, it's almost, we were talking about the economics of the music industry and you used to, you know, hope to get a record deal and blah, blah, blah. But now it's a whole different story. It's like you, you create, um, uh, recorded music in order to get people interested in coming to a live show and that the live show is really, you know, where the income comes in 
and well, even with those live not, shows, it's it's more about selling merchandise. Yeah, and it's more about it is more about selling merchandise and selling yourself on that one because uh, you know venues don't. Yeah, pay. they're venues, not paying, and venues and, pay worse than they did fifteen years ago. Right, you know, and that's just fact. You know, people don't go out and drink the way they did. The venues aren't making money the way they used to. There's yeah. nothing. I can't blame the venue to a certain extent. I, I will say I don't agree with uh, pay to play practices uh-huh. that a lot of these places are doing. Where I don't know if. You know this, or if a lot of your listeners know this, but there are a lot of places that, you know, they want us to actually purchase a block of is tickets. Is that right? Is that what they end up doing? They, they make uh, us pay to, uh-huh. to, 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 to have the privilege to, to be the able privilege to play, to play in there. So they're, they're, oh, they're, pur- they're profiting on us coming yeah. in, which gets them their entertainment. Then they're profiting at the door for everybody yeah. coming in, and they're profiting at the bar. Right. And people I, think they're paying a cover or whatever I mean, to support the band, and, and it's turning out it's just going into the... Right. Well, but then there are venues that are really all about the music. I think the livery is a, a great delivery example is of that. A, is a, you know, Brandon at the livery is doing... Brandon to James. Brandon yeah. James. He's bringing some great stuff exactly there. exactly what a venue should be doing and what a music scene should have in any given area. Yeah. And we in Southwest Michigan and the Michiana area are unbelievably lucky to have a guy like Brandon around cultivating the music scene that he is. Definitely. You uh, know, I know every, that every place around is richer because of his work. Yeah, that's right. You He's know. creating almost like a competition uh, or or raising the bar anyway. He's raising the bar about the music coming through. He's raising the bar and he's exposing new acts to this area to right. realize that there's a market here. Yeah. You know, I, I remember guys at the radio station 15, 20 years ago joking around that this was market zero. You know, that, hmm. you know, it was a, you know, some of the WIRX guys and. Oh, right. Yeah, uh-huh. just joking around. You know, it's like, yeah. hey, it's kind of market zero. You know, it's not you know, Chicago. It's not Detroit. It's not Indianapolis. It's not Grand Rapids. We're in the middle of kind of nowhere. Yeah. And, you know, we are. But the fact is that we're a. Uh, half a day drive from any of those places right if, and if we're also they're playing in, the, in chicago or playing in grand rapids and then going to detroit or vice versa normally you know, there's a couple got days a day in, between in between and they can hit us yeah and they are and right because of venues like you know some of the places in benton harvard especially the livery uh you're getting you're getting acts that you just you wouldn't see you know and it's right. amazing to me to see some of these acts come in these are grammy winning uh bluegrass acts these are you know just world class will pack at a pack a venue at a at a at a uh, festival uh-huh. and not sell out delivery. Yeah, and and we're sitting here sell out delivery, and I'm like, man, local people, you are missing out. There are shows that are just except that ridiculous. You know, for for me, if if I see a band coming to delivery uh, and I hadn't heard of them or whatever, uh, I'll know that you know Brandon brought them in and that. As a result, they've got, you know, they're going to be great. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, you know, Corey Wong, for God's sake. Yeah. I mean, God. The guys at Wolfpack <laughs> are, you know. Yeah. Uh, Joe Dart. You want to talk about another bass influence or a uh-huh. bass god, in my opinion. Joe Dart. Listen listen to, to Dean Town by, by uh, Wolfpack one time. All right. Tell me Joe yeah, Dart is it. like one of the best bass players ever to walk this okay. earth. That guy's amazing. Yeah. But, you know, to have guys from that group, you know, making a stop off at delivery. Right. It's like, right. that's Brandon. Yeah. That's, it's an, and it's a testament to good, to a good audience in the area. 
to to the people that listen uh-huh. to the people that are coming out to these shows. I mean, Brandon can bust his tail all he wants, but if people don't show up to the shows, right, it ain't gonna happen. So, knowing that he's bringing in a higher level of artists that you might not know, but we have a discerning enough audience of people around here that are willing to take that journey, yeah, and take that leap of faith that this guy's gonna be good. You know, Earthworks. They're going to bring in something good. Yeah. You know, May Earl wine is going to be good. Right. You know, like right. All these that was that the person in. I was thinking of, yeah. May Earl wine. She's uh, terrific. I mean, oh, she's, she's amazing. She's, and she's starting to, she's been, she's played a couple times already this year. Yeah. And she's, you know, really de- definitely starting to develop a, a local um, uh, vibe. You know, yeah. there's a big fan base. All right. Uh, well, let's close it out. And uh, any, you know, which song would you want me oh, to man. play to close it out? Play, play any of them, man. All right. I'm good. All right, Some how about how about a... parties over? <laughs> that seems appropriate. All right, yeah, go for it. That's All a right. heavy one. Let's do it. <laughs> All right, here we go. And you've been listening to Johnny Secret Stash. I'm John Goldman, <laughs> and I've had a pleasure of having Matt Smith from Sippy uh, from <laughs> <laughs> Slim Gypsy Baggage, the bass player for Slim Gypsy Baggage, here with me. Uh, great to have you on the show, Matt. Yeah, really thank was. you. Thanks for having um, me. Check out uh, their, Slim Gypsy Baggage is playing with the Scipion Family Band at the livery on the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. Yep. Get your tickets now because we they will, sell out. It will sell Seriously. out. Seriously. Uh, I, I, that Fleetwood Mac show sold out. Um, you know, these guys are, are just loved around here. We're going to close it out with Parties Over and um, just want to also mention again that uh, the show's underwritten by Harbor Country Hydroponics out of three, uh, out of uh, New Buffalo, Michigan, for everything you need to grow your own secret stash. And uh, here we go, Slim Gypsy, parties over. <laughs>